SEP Fanfic Readings presents Aurelian by Biddy Blue Eyes. Chapter 14. Just go with it. Ten o'clock yet, mummy? Ten o'clock? Aurelian asked as he sat atop the toilet lid, watching Hermione French braid her hair. Aurelian, Hermione said with exasperation. He will get here when he gets here. Soon, Aurelian asked. Hermione sighed. Yes. Now why don't you go get a pair of socks out of your drawer and take them to the living room? Okay, Raelian readily complied, hopping down and racing to the bedroom. Before he made it back to the living room, the fireplace chime sounded. Yay! Hermione smiled and shook her head before slowly walking to the living room. Good morning to you, too, Draco told Raelian, who was once again squeezing his legs. When he saw Hermione, he nodded and greeted her also. Good morning. Good morning, she answered, her inside squirming. We go now? Aurelian asked impatiently. In a minute. We have to get your socks and shoes on. What did you do with your socks? She asked. Oh, was his reply. I dropped them. He ran back down the hallway and grabbed his forgotten socks. He zoomed into the living room, leapt onto the couch, whittled his toes, and stretched out the socks for Hermione. He allowed Hermione to put his socks on, but when she went to put on his shoes, he pulled his feet back and pouted. I no like shoes. Well, you can't just walk around Diagon Alley in your socks, Hermione replied. I want sandals, he whined. I like to wiggle my toes. Well, I was thinking we could pick you up some sandals today. We have quite a lot to get for you, she told him. She felt her savings and Gringotts weeping at the thought. She had quite a bit saved away, especially with the sum she'd received with her order of Merlin first class. She just didn't like the frivolous spending, and though everything they planned to get she considered necessary, it hadn't been planned. Toys, too. You said we buy toys, Aurelian reminded her. And we will, she told him. Okay, all set. Aurelian hopped off the couch and walked over to Draco, taking his hand. I go with Daddy. We're all going together, Hermione told him, still surprised that she was going to be walking around Diagon Alley with the two of them. No, I flew with Daddy, Aurelian clarified. Hermione looked at Draco in question. That's fine, he told her, picking up Aurelian. It was the first time he had done so, and though he knew how to hold him, it still felt a bit funny. The leaky cauldron? Yes, she answered. Just watch his head. Draco nodded and disappeared into the fireplace. Hermione took her handbag off the table, closed her eyes to steel herself for the day ahead, and walked into the flue. Okay, where to first? Hermione asked. Both boys looked at her, wondering why she was asking them. Okay, Madame Mulkins first, I think. Aurelian held onto Draco's hand and led him to the back door of the establishment. Before they knew it, they were walking into the sunshine down the familiar old cobblestone street. It was, as Hermione had anticipated, not very busy, but they were sure that would change rather shortly. Saturdays, especially in the summer, were usually outrageously busy. Hermione normally tried to avoid shopping on Saturdays for that reason, but with how busy they were with the case, she doubted that she would get much free time to do it otherwise. She and Jenny had both talked to Harry into calming down for the weekend. They reminded him that he was meeting with Kingsley and that they were going to meet with the Weasley Saturday night, and they could do some private planning on Sunday. They just would not go into the office. They needed some time to clear their heads a bit, and they would jump back in with a renewed fervor on Monday. Harry had kept protesting that they were trying to prevent a future war, but Hermione reminded him that they had knowledge that it had taken their alternate selves years to discover. It was only then that he conceded. There it is! Aurelian shouted, pointing at the sign of Mountain Malcolm's robes for all occasions. He pulled Draco by the hand toward the shop. He let go to try and open the door, but he needed assistance from his father. Good morning, the squat little witch said as she turned and greeted her first customers of the day. 
know if it is Duralian. Back already, are you? And wearing the robes you picked out yesterday, I see. I like blue, Aurelian answered. Hermione felt bad dressing him in the clothes he had worn the day before, but the robes Mrs. Weasley had given her really weren't good for the going out in public, and the green robe it had just arrived in was much too thick for this time of year. The blue one he had chosen was a light-flowing material that was perfect for summer. Hermione had watched it before she had gone to bed so that it would be ready for the day. And what can I get for you today? Madame Malkin asked, bending down to the boy's level. More clothes, Aurelian smiled. Good choice, she chuckled. She stood again and addressed Hermione. And only then did she notice Draco. So what are you looking for today? As he said, more clothes, Hermione chuckled. The poor little guy has nothing in the way of summer wardrobe, so we'll be having a look at quite a bit, I think. Well, the hard part is over, she assured her. I have his measurements all recorded, so all you need to do is select the colors and styles you would like, and I'll be able to fix them up in no time. I like blue, Aurelian repeated, pointing at the adult-sized blue robe. Well, you'll want to look in this section, Madame Malkin said, helping him over to the toddler boy's rack. Now, I know you like blue, Aurelian, but you are going to have to choose some other colors, too. There are lots of pretty colors, Hermione told him. Hmm, Aurelian said pensively, running his finger over all the robes. Would you mind helping him select robes while I find him some underpants, pajamas, and swimming trunks? She asked Draco. Draco was surprised by the request. She was the one who would purchase everything. He didn't know what she wanted Aurelian to have. Instead of telling her, he nodded dumbly. When she disappeared around the corner, he knelt at the child-sized rack next to the boy that was looking at another blue robe. Let's make good choices for your mum, okay? Aurelian looked at him in confusion, not understanding what his father was requesting. Which one you like? Well, um, let's have a look, Draco said, holding a burnt orange collar robe next to Aurelian's chin. Hmm. Is it good? Draco asked, looking at Aurelian, who sloppily licked his ice cream cone. Mm-hmm, he answered. Ugh, this is such an exhausting trip, Hermione groaned, taking another bite of her sundae. The heat of the day had been bearing down on them, so they decided to take shelter in the shade of one of the umbrella-covered tables outside of Florian Fortescue's ice cream parlor. It's already after one o'clock, and we haven't even had lunch. How on earth did you two talk me into ice cream? This is lunch, Draco said simply. Ice cream for lunch, she asked incredulously as she leaned back in her chair to position more of herself in the shade. Though her light floral sundress kept her nice and cool, it was also exposing her to quite a bit of sun. Yeah, ice cream for lunch. Why not? It's not like you do it often, Draco reasoned. You're too tired to cook or even sit in a restaurant long enough to order and eat. Just enjoy. Yeah, I guess you're right, Hermione conceded. Aurelian, look the side there, love. You're dripping. Hermione? A voice called. Luna, hi, Hermione said pleasantly. I thought it was you, but because of your present company, I ought to double check. How are you? Luna asked in her regular, airy voice. Um, fine. How about you? Hermione replied, looking at Draco to make sure he hadn't been offended. It was hard for her to tell as he bore a rather stoic expression. I'm here to meet a man named Rolf Scamander. He's looking for an apprentice in the field of mazuology, and I am hoping to be considered. So I guess I'm doing rather well, she answered. Who is this? she asked, looking at the adorable little boy whose face and hands were now covered in strawberry ice cream. Oh, um, this is Aurelian, Hermione answered with very little hesitation. Hi there, Aurelian, she smiled. Is he yours? she asked Malfoy. What? Draco sputtered in surprise. I asked if he was yours, Luna repeated, unperturbed by his reaction. He's mine, actually, Hermione cut in. Luna looked at her curiously. Aurelian is involved in a case that Harry and I are working on. He, his parents were killed, so I took him in. 
Hermione quickly glanced at Draco, but was unable to gauge his reaction. Wow, really? I never really imagined you as the mothering type, Luna admitted, her voice still light as though they were discussing the weather. Though now that I think of it, you should probably do quite well. It might even be good for you. I mean, we've all seen how lonely you've been. Hermione tried to play her grimace off as a smile and nodded. Well, I really should be going. It was nice seeing you. Luna waved as she went. Bye, Aurelian. Bye, Draco. That's one of the most callous exchanges between friends that I have ever seen, Draco commented, looking quite disgusted. Is she always that blunt? Well, sort of, Hermione answered. She's a really nice person, but she doesn't really play by standard social rules. I'm not really even sure she knows they exist, but she will always give her honest opinion, so at least you know where she stands. She just insulted you, turned it around, and insulted you again, and you're telling me she doesn't even realize it, Draco said incredulously. Hermione sighed. She didn't say anything that was untrue. She just relayed her observance of it. Is that what you're going to tell everyone? Draco inquired. When they ask about Aurelian, is that what you'll answer? Yes, Hermione confirmed. There's no point in denying that he's mine. But I shouldn't have to explain everything in detail either. Everything I said was the truth. Some people, very few, will know the full story. And that still won't be until after this... This whole thing is solved. You know it will show up in the Daily Prophet, Draco said, looking at her with intrigue. I know, and I will stick to that basic story. They'll speculate quite a bit. It's what they do. But people can speculate all they want. They're going to anyway. Hermione shrugged with a nonchalance that wasn't completely genuine. With one look at Aurelian, her mood instantly changed. Oh, no. Draco followed her gaze, and his eyes landed on the exhausted little boy that had fallen asleep with his head on the table and his ice cream cone dangling in his hand, dripping on the ground. Draco couldn't help but chuckle. Well, you did say that it's been exhausting, Draco reminded her. Hermione sighed. It has been, and I've decided to leave bed shopping for another day. But we still need to pick up his robes from Madame Malkin's. She should be done tailoring them now. Going to have to wake him. No, I've got him, Draco assured her as he lifted the tyke out of his chair. Aurelian's body twitched and one eye cracked open the teeniest bit, but only a second later he had relaxed again and began snoring softly his open mouth dripping pink ice cream into Draco's shoulder. Are you sure? Hermione worried. It shouldn't take long, but he gets rather heavy. I've got him, Draco said firmly. Just finish up. Hermione nodded and walked down the street, hoping she wasn't going too fast or too slow for Draco. She hurried into the shop and quickly collected their bags. It only took them ten minutes from the time they left the ice cream shop till they arrived in Hermione's flat, but by the end of those ten minutes, Draco's arm muscles were screaming for relief. Where do I put him? In the bed, Hermione said, pointing down the hall. Draco disappeared from sight, and she surveyed the mini bags that littered the living room floor. It was ridiculous. She was never so thankful for her magic skills. She had been able to banish the shopping bags to her flat so that they had not needed to carry them the entire time, but that also meant that it was the first time she'd seen them all together. She opened the bags that she had just picked up from the robe shop and started taking out the items they'd purchased. Hermione looked at each of the seven robes that Draco and Ari had picked out together, and she laid them one by one on the sofa. You know, she said as she heard Draco re-enter the room, I was a bit skeptical when I first saw this midnight purple robe, but now that I really see it, I think it will look incredible on him. Did you pick this one out? Uh, yeah, Draco admitted uncomfortably. It's good, she smiled at his uneasiness. I didn't know that this place only had one bedroom, Draco said hesitantly. Yeah, I told you it was perfect for me. That was when it was just me, though, Hermione stated distractedly as she started going through the second bag, taking out the pajamas she had selected. 
Only one bed, though, Draco continued. Yep, which is why we were going to look for one for him, Hermione answered simply. Where will you put it? Draco pried. Well, I'm planning on enlarging my room for it, she said, putting the things down and turning to face Draco. She could see that he was concerned. Believe me, I understand it's not prime arrangements, but it'll do fine for now. Eventually, we'll look for a new flat with another room, but I can't even begin to consider that with everything else going on at the present. We're okay, though. Draco nodded. My goodness, I'm going to have to buy him a toy bin next. Hermione supposed as she looked at the bags full of toys. I'm sorry, Draco said softly. No, it's fine. He needed toys. I know, but I shouldn't have stepped in like that. I saw that it upset you. It wasn't fair of me, Draco apologized. Hermione looked at him quite puzzled. How do you mean? Well, I mean, I bought the toys and the ice cream and you bought the clothes and the shoes. I got the fun stuff and you got the, well, boring stuff. I shouldn't have taken that from you, he explained. Hermione laughed out loud. No, no, that doesn't bother me. Children love to be spoiled, but that's not what sticks with them. There are plenty of ways for me to show him I care. But you were upset, Draco pressed, now uncomfortably confused again. I, well, it's a pride thing, I guess. I'm working on it, Hermione admitted quietly, looking rather ashamed. It took Draco a moment to figure out what she meant. You're just upset that I paid then, he chanced, looking a little upset. I told you, I'm working on it, she repeated. I didn't mean to overstep. Draco claimed firmly, sounding a bit harsher than he intended. I just helped him pick out so many things that I didn't think it'd be fair for you to have to purchase it. I know, and I realize that you have as much right to buy things for him as I do. I just, I'm working on it, Hermione repeated. It's good that he had you there to help him with that. I'm really not familiar with wizard toys, and even if I were to take him to a muggle toy store, I would still feel overwhelmed. I have to work on getting in touch with my inner child, I guess. You got him a lot of neat things that I'm sure he'll love. And you don't resent me for it? Draco pressed. Hermione smiled as she thought on it. No, she answered confidently. She had been, yes, but she realized that she was making a big deal over nothing. What did it really matter in the end? Just go with it. Not even upset about the toy broomstick, he checked. Hermione laughed. No, he can't really ride it in the flat, but I'll have a great time with it when he's at the burrow, when I can't watch him in panic, she added. Really, it's all okay. Draco nodded. In fact, Hermione continued, despite the exhaustion, today was actually kind of fun. Draco nodded again. Well, I better get this stuff sorted out. I'll see you tonight, though, right? She asked. Draco nodded once more. Well, Hermione said, getting a bit of a funny feeling in her stomach at his continued silence. Everyone's gathering at Harry's at six, but Harry wants us to get together at least thirty minutes before to discuss, well, to discuss what we're going to discuss. Oh, and he had me change the wards to accept you, so when you flew over, you won't be sent right back, she chuckled. Remember that Harry told you the location is called Number 12 Grimmauld Place. Number 12 Grimmauld Place, he repeated. Hermione nodded this time. Thank you, Draco said seriously. Hermione nodded again, realizing for the first time how close they were. Her heart became hammering in her chest when he took another step closer. She stared at him in panic, unable to find her breath, let alone her voice as he touched her cheek. His eyes were intense as he looked at her, and she felt the world stop when his lips tenderly touched hers. She was so taken by surprise that she was unable to do anything except let it happen. But he was patient, patient enough that the voice in her head had time to repeat, just go with it. Hermione responded gently to the kiss, her insides heavy as lead. He pulled back, his face still close to hers and his eyes narrowed, intense with confusion. Hermione stared back at him, 
her face still frozen in confusion and fright. Her breath was released with a small quiver, and she stared at him uncertainly. I'm sorry, he whispered distantly as he started to back away from her. She couldn't read him. She didn't know what it meant. The kiss or the apology? I just had to know, he said flatly, his voice barely audible. Sorry. Once far enough away, he broke eye contact, took a pinch of flu powder, and then turned to her once more before he left. Bye. Hermione still stood there after he left, more confused than she ever remembered feeling. She didn't know what to feel. She didn't know what she wanted to feel. She only felt confused. Confused to the point that she wanted to cry. Before she could give it another thought, tears started rolling down her cheeks. It was too much. From the moment of Aurelian's arrival, everything had just been too much. Hermione checked her watch again. 6.05. She looked around the sitting room and Harry gently pulled her to the side. He's not here yet, he needlessly pointed out. You told him to be here at 5.30, didn't you? Hermione nodded, her insides twisting. Maybe he changed his mind, Harry sighed. Everyone's here, though, so we should probably get started. Hermione looked about the room again, all of the Weasleys waiting quietly and patiently, with the exception of Fred and George, who snickered amongst themselves. Bill and Flora shared a sofa with Percy, and the twins shared another with Charlie and Ginny sitting at their feet. Mrs. Weasley fidgeted silently in her armchair, while Mr. Weasley perched on the arm of it. Ron leaned on the doorframe, looking expectantly at Harry and Hermione. Hermione nodded to Harry. Okay, um, I guess we should get started, Harry announced to the room. The twins fell silent and all attention fell on Harry. I want to start by thanking you all for coming here and for being so patient with us. I trust that, by now, you have all heard about Aurelian. It's true that he comes from the future and that he's Hermione's son. Harry glanced over at the boy quietly practicing gobstones in the corner. We know now why he was sent back here. He then looked at Hermione. This was difficult to talk about, and each time he thought about Aurelian's entrance into their lives, he remembered the blood all over him, and the last memory they watched in the pensive. When Aurelian arrived, he had a few things on him that were meant to help us understand. The most important was a bottle of memories, his mother's memories. We discovered that he comes from seven years in the future. The reason his mother sent him back to us was to save him and to warn us. He paused and steeled himself before he continued. We're meant to prevent a future war. A war? Bill asked anxiously, his ginger brows furrowed in an instant frustration and anger directed at no one in particular. Yes, Harry said simply. Now, before I continue, I know I don't need to say it, but I have to. This can't be told to anyone. We have to deal with this quietly, both to succeed and to not cause panic. This war, if we can't prevent it, is bad. Really bad. We understand, Harry, Charlie assured him. You can trust us to keep silent or whatever else you need. Harry nodded. So what does Malfoy have to do with all of this? Fred inquired. Harry and Hermione both looked at Ron, then Ginny, then Molly, and each, in turn, shook their heads. None of them had told. He... Hermione started awkwardly. She appreciated that no one had spread the news without permission, but she had also kind of hoped that everyone had already known. I'm Aurelian's father, Draco answered as he entered the room, taking everyone by surprise. Master Harry, Mr. Malfoy has arrived, Creature announced. Harry closed his eyes and bit his tongue when he nodded to the house elf. Thank you, Creature. It's Creature's pleasure, sir, the elf said with a bow. Seriously? Fred and George asked together, ignoring the house elf completely. You're joking, said Fred. Malfoy's eyes narrowed at the twins, and Hermione closed her eyes and bit her lip. 
Many might have thought that she was simply embarrassed by the announcement, but in truth, she just couldn't bring herself to look at Draco. They hadn't spoken since he left her flat that afternoon, and she still didn't know what to make of that kiss. No joke, said Harry seriously. We saw him in the pensive along with many other things. As he is so closely involved, we invited him to help us in our investigation. It turns out that he was the first target in the war. This war, Percy said, if he's from seven years in the future, when did this war start? Things are already beginning to start. The first known Death Eater attack happens about a month from now, stated Harry. Wait, Charlie said fiercely. Death Eaters? Yes, Harry said uncomfortably. This wasn't the way he meant to bring it up. It's not Voldemort. It's Bellatrix. Harry looked anxiously at Molly, the woman who personally killed the woman they were after. Bellatrix? Mr. Weasley demanded angrily. How? asked George. A horcrux, Harry answered. Someone has to be helping her then, Percy said, now upset as well. Hermione was becoming even more anxious than before they had started. The Weasleys' heated tempers were infamous, and it seemed like each new piece of information added fuel to the building fire. Yes, and we're trying to figure out who, Harry told them. Is that what he's doing in this? Fred asked, glaring at Draco. Hey, Ron scolded, surprising everyone. I dislike him as much as anyone, but he's here because he's helping. He's not the bad guy, he's the victim. Harry and Hermione were gobsmacked and stared at Ron in utter disbelief. Draco looked at the moody redhead warily. He wasn't sure if he should feel grateful that he stood up for him, or insulted about the remark that everyone disliking him. Knowing Ron, he decided to try and accept his statement as a positive one in his defense. Ron's right. Malfoy is helping us. We have no doubts concerning him, Harry proclaimed. And concerning the Horcrux, we don't know much about it yet. As much as we'd like to start hunting it down immediately, there are other things we must focus on first. I don't like the sound of that, Fleur said anxiously. Harry nodded. The first attack would happen in about a month. The problem with all of this now is that events have changed. Every little thing we do can greatly affect the future events. So when Aurelian simply arrived in our time, everything changed. We don't know how everything has been affected, so we don't know when or even if the first attack will ever happen. But we do know some of the people that need to be protected. One of them is Malfoy. Another is the Parkinson family. From what we've deducted, we believe that the Parkinsons are being threatened and probably have been for about five months now. We don't know why or what for, but we know that if they should simply not comply, it will mean the life of Pansy Parkinson, and perhaps her parents. Protecting them all is one of our top concerns. Everyone nodded in understanding. Another of our priorities is Dennis Creevy. He's missing, Harry said with great difficulty. What? Molly asked in horror. Harry's eyes fell to the floorboards and he nodded. From what we saw in the memories, we thought he might have happened upon something, so we went to speak to him. His parents didn't know where he was, and he neither does the school. He left before the end of the term, before he had even finished his NEWTs. No one has reported him missing because he gave excuses to both the school and his parents. We don't know if this was of his own will or if he might have been under the Imperius curse. We have the feeling it was his own decision. But either way, it was a premeditated move. We need to know if any of you have seen him since then, and we'd like to try to casually ask around about him. Harry, we've seen him, George said, exchanging glances with Fred. What? When? Harry burst out. He knew he had to ask the Weasleys, but he really hadn't expected any of them to be able to give him anything. He came into the shop just before the end of school, the Hogsmeade location. It was the last Hogsmeade trip of the school year, said Fred. He bought quite a bit, if I remember correctly. What did he say? What did he buy? Harry asked frantically. Um, we asked him if he was setting up a brilliant farewell to Filch, George answered. 
his look asking Fred if he was remembering properly. It was his last year, and we thought he wanted to pull something grand. Do you remember what he said? What he bought? Hermione asked. Um, I don't remember what he said, Fred said slowly as he concentrated. George shook his head to show that he couldn't add to that. I know we bought two shield cloaks, though. And some decoy detonators, George added. Yeah, Fred nodded as he remembered that also. But I can't remember what else. The pensive, Hermione cried excitedly. She looked at Harry, hoping he understood. If they can remember that, then they still have the memory. They just can't examine it properly. Brilliant, Hermione. Fred, can you give us that memory? Harry asked. Sorry? Fred asked in confusion. I'll help him, Hermione offered. She pulled a small vial out of her robes and walked over to the twins. Bill, do you mind if I have a word with you? Harry asked. Bill nodded and left his seat. That's all for tonight, I guess, but we'll try to keep you updated and we'd like you to contact us with anything you might feel is relevant. Thanks, guys. Hermione pocketed the memory with a smile. It was a start. The twins both poked a little fun at her, but then told her seriously that they hoped the memory could help. Hermione thanked them and looked back to the corner. She panicked for a moment when she saw that Aurelian wasn't there. She raced out of the room and saw Aurelian standing in the foyer. What are you doing? She asked a little harsher than she meant to. I hugged Daddy Nun night, Aurelian answered. Hermione poked her head back into the room and saw that Draco really had gone. The light feeling she had inside only a moment ago sunk like lead again. Whatever the kiss had meant, it had obviously been detrimental to whatever understanding she and Draco had been coming to.